American Nightmare Podcast presents Wrath of the Golden Ninja The Stone Titans of Anyang Part 2 Where we last left off, King Wu of Zhou was celebrating his 60th birthday, who was considered the greatest leader that had ever ruled. That title was threatened by the sudden return of the Stone Titans. Banished for the last 20 years by the hurt that the tungsten steel blade had wrought, the Stone Titans entered their second transformation of diamond form, which was a hundred times stronger than regular stone. More than half the villagers suffered blindness from diamond form leading most of the local villagers to their doom. The Stone Titans had such a blood feast, slaughtering children and men alike. The military of Wu was quickly dispersed of. Those who were not blinded suffered the Titans' wrath. Although they had prepared for this very day, diamond form was indestructible, decimating whole lineages of family trees. This is perhaps where the idiom came from of the blind leading the blind. Because the blind who sought their escape latched on to others who were also blind, both sensing in no direction of where to go. King Joe had not practiced heroism in over 20 years, and old in his age grew used to the comforts of life. In that time, King Joe had saw the potential in a young boy and decided to adopt him as a son. Shortly after, he crowned him prince. His name was Zhang Zixuan, and was considered by townsfolk to be twice as capable as his adopted father once was. Through the years, he proved his valor, and after a while, was appointed General of Zhou of Wu's armies. The dynasty of Wu was to become glorious, but now this was hanging over their head, a blemish on the legacy of Wu. Pick up your sword, father, before these monstrosities kill all our people. King Joe attempts to lift the blade out of its sheath. Uh, I am too old, son. My bones are too weak. I am unable to wield it. At that, one of the stone titans grabs King Joe of Wu. There was something more to these seemingly mindless killing automatons. They remembered. They remembered what he had done to them. They both heard the chuckle of the beasts as one of them pulverized his flesh and bones into mush. Blood and guts seeping through the creases of its mighty hand. Father! 
must carry on the legacy of Wu. Pick up the sword and save our people. Those were King Zhou of Wu's last words. Zhang Zixuan hesitantly approached the tungsten steel blade. He couldn't help but admire the beautiful craftsmanship, the silver tinge, the uncanny sharpness that could split a hair. He lifted the weapon and it fit snug into his hands. I will save our people, father. 20 years ago, he was there. At eight years old, he watched in terror as the stone titans, then in rock form, stamped his parents into concrete and out of existence. He was there when King Zhou of Wu sliced the finger and ear off both of the giants. Here he was in possession of the very thing that could save the Wu legacy. If he did not use it properly, the dynasty his father worked so hard to preserve would become extinct. Droplets of blood painted his face even though he had not slain one living thing. Zhang Zixuan lifted his legacy and swung it with all of his might at one of the titan's colossal appendages. The result was an unstoppable force versus an immovable object, causing a vibration to send pangs throughout his body. He immediately dropped the sword. Zhang Zixuan looked at where he had struck. He had not even dented the structure. One of the titans slapped him to the ground. As his eyes faced the sky, ears receptive to all the painful screams around him, it was then that he had realized his failure. He closed his eyes to accept his fate. But fate would not have him this day. A swift wind blew across his face. He opened his eyes to witness a large shadow hovering way above the two titans. He felt his body dematerialize into the ether. The Great Race The Jade Emperor, a cosmic omniscient presence, whom created heaven and earth, Man and beast decided that humankind should be given the ability to quantify time in order to worship in the exact accordance to the prerequisites needed to enter into his kingdom after death. It was decided that there would be a 12-year cycle, and each cycle would be represented as an animal. It was an honor for any animal to have the chance to appear. For one year, that specific animal would be glorified by heaven, earth, and mankind. They would be the envy of the rest of the animal kingdom. Obviously, every animal on earth thought that they should be part of what the Jade Emperor called the Heavenly Twelve. 
or in what we now know as the Chinese Zodiac. And so to decide who would be immortalized, the Jade Emperor proposed to have a great race. He called upon all the animals of the world to participate. The animals would swim over a vast river. As a reward, the years of the calendar would be named after them in the order that they had crossed. The zodiac is in the order in which each animal crossed the finish line. In those days, the cat and the rat were best of friends. Both were poor swimmers. They convinced the patient ox to hitch a ride on his back. The ox obliged. However, when they neared the opposite end of the river, the rat bit the cat. The cat was so startled that he fell into the river. As we all know, cats hate water, and the cat began thrashing about. At the very last moment, the rat leaped from the ox's back onto dry land. The cunning rat became the first animal of the lunar calendar. Though disappointed, the ox was able to grab second place. In third place came the tiger, who was fast on land, but had trouble facing the river currents. Those small creatures of the world feared the tiger and let him pass. Soon after came the rabbit, who had nearly drowned. To cross the river, he had hopped from stone to stone, but tripped at the final moment. He was able to hold on to a fallen tree branch until a gust of wind blew him onto the shore. A large shadow was cast over the riverbank. It was the dragon to claim fifth. Being the only mythical creature in the race, the Jade Emperor was surprised that the dragon landed in fifth place. This is the dragon's tale of why. Why being first wasn't important to the dragon. When the dragon caught wind of the great race, he was quick to participate. The Jade Emperor would make him immortal. He was already a legendary creature and had astronomical power afforded to him. The race would be easy since he could just fly over the river and all birds would fear his presence. It would take the land and sea animals days to cross the enormous river, which seemed to be more like an ocean. Soon after the race started, the dragon was gracefully flying along when a terrible racket was heard below. When the dragon glanced down, two giants almost the size of mountains skin gleaming were slaughtering helpless villagers to and fro the dragon was impervious to the bright light so blindness did not affect him the only one fighting was a young man swinging his sword about this was interesting and so the dragon stopped to watch for a bit 
but soon he was naturally overpowered and was thrown to the ground. All that was left was the killing blow. The dragon decided that this brave man should have a different fate.